You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN News Talk of North Alabama. This is Phil Williams. This is week number two of Right Side Radio. Hey, listen, we are solid, conservative, and just plain right and, uh, and really glad that you're, uh, you're here with us. We are going to have a great show today. Uh, got a lot going on. I mean, there's plenty to talk about. I like to say that in, in the world of radio, if you're a conservative talk show, in today's environment, it's a target-rich environment. There's plenty to talk about. And we're going to hit a few things that are like literally coming across the wire as I speak. And we're going to do all those things that I keep saying that we're going to do. We're going to try to entertain, empower, enlighten, and educate you. And the whole time, we're going to give you all those things that you need to have at your disposal when you go and you have that, you know, that water cooler conversation. When someone hits you up, you know, in the fast food line, well, why do you have that uh, Make America Great hat on? Well, let me tell you. Or well, why, do you, why do you have that shirt on that says, proud to be an American? I mean, don't you understand we're a racist nation? Well, by the way, we're not. If cancel culture is coming on you, you can refuse to be canceled. And my wife says it over and over and over again, y'all. There are more of them than there are of us. And that's the truth. Listen, what a great show we've got. So like today, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about not just socialism, but socialism as it relates to our education processes. And, and so I think it's going to be really important that you guys uh, understand what we've got going on in education right now. All said and done, State Representative Charlotte Meadows is an education advocate. She'll be here at 2.30. At 3.30, we've got State Representative Terry Collins coming in. And then at 4 o'clock, we've got an analyst from the Alabama Policy Institute, Parker Snyder. He'll be on with us, and we'll talk about education reforms in other states. But right now, I mean, let me just, let me just spend a minute just getting into my right-side way for the day. I told you that pretty much every time we get together, I want to have a few minutes where I, I literally just spend some time unpacking some thoughts. And today, I'm literally watching the news and preparing my thoughts. Are you watching the news? Have you seen this? Citizens of Cuba are rioting right now. They are fed up with the constraints and the waste. Anti-government protests have broken out all across Cuba, demanding freedom and calling on the disbandment of their country's communist dictatorship. All of that going on, by the way, while some of the U.S.'s most outspoken and self-professed Democrat socialists appear to be in lockstep by not acknowledging the historic events happening just, you know, about, what, 70, 80, 90 miles south of Florida. Thousands of Cuba are, Cubans are marching in their nation's capital. They're protesting things like food shortages, excessive inflation and high prices, and the coronavirus outbreak in one of the biggest anti-government demonstrations that has been seen in that country in its existence. All said and done, it's important that you pay attention to these news flashes because they're, they're relating to things that are happening here back at home. Senator Marco Rubio took the State Department, the Biden State Department, to task because the State Department had tweeted out, well, the, the riots in, in Cuba, they appear to be related to concerns over COVID-19. No, they're not. His quote, quote was, people in Cuba are protesting 62 years of socialism, lies, tyranny, and misery not expressing concern about COVID-19 and deaths. Why is it so hard for the president of the United States and his administration to say that, Rubio asked. What a great question. But it's not just Cuba. Look around our hemisphere. 
Venezuela is a country in a state of virtual collapse even as we speak. The repressive regime of Nicolas Maduro, with socialized everything, by the way, is now having its people have to turn back to wood-burning stoves due to shortage of gas. And all of this despite having some of the greatest natural resources in the entire Western Hemisphere. Let me recommend a book to you. If y'all like to read or you like audiobooks, let me recommend one. It flew under the radar for a while until I found it by happenstance. I was thinking a lot about North Korea, and I found this book called Escape from Camp 14. What a great book, y'all. Escape from Camp 14. Escape from Camp 14 is a book about a young man named Shin. He was a North Korean by birth. He was born into a gulag. Never knew anything except what was inside the wire of his gulag in North Korea. Fought for scraps to live. Wound up turning his own parents in because they had extra food one day. Literally believes that his parents were executed because of him. And he lived under this repressive uh, and, and emotional and physical barbaric opportunity to just try to even exist. And, and, and then one day, an older gentleman was sent into his camp. And this older gentleman sort of befriended him. And though they weren't allowed to talk, they would whisper to each other once in a while. And the old man would tell him stories like having meat for dinner. Things that you and I take for granted. Things that Shin had never heard of before. And Shin decided one day after hearing these stories of life outside the wire, even for North Korea, which by the way, even the best in North Korea is not as good as some of the worst in the United States. But he heard these stories, he thought, I have to see this for myself. And so Escape from Camp 14 is his story of literally finding a way to get out of the wire, get out of North Korea, and defect to the West. And, and then suddenly realizing when he got here, he had been living a lie his entire life. How does a society become so conditioned that people can believe that there is nothing more than what the government has told them to believe? Well, let me tell you about a personal experience. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a personal moment in Phil Williams' life. Literally, some of y'all still remember the whole East Germany, West Germany, Cold War, and, and it, was, it was amazing to see in person. So when I was a kid, my dad was in the Army. We were stationed in Europe, and in the late 70s, early 80s, we were there uh, living in London, England, but we took a chance to go over to the continent and tour around a little bit, and I got a chance to go to West Berlin, what was then West Berlin. And it was an amazing city, thriving. I mean, literally, it was a landlocked little island of capitalism in the middle of uh, communist East Germany. And, as we, and there was a place in West Berlin called Checkpoint Charlie. And Checkpoint Charlie was a subject of movies and books. It was a place where basically it was the gateway between East Germany and West, I mean, East Berlin and West Berlin. And on the west side, they had, a, they had almost like a, a reviewing stand, like a place almost like you'd see at a parade where they sit up there and watch the parade. Well, they had a, a stand and it was there so you could walk up the steps and look across the wall into East Germany. It was a tourist attraction, I'll be honest, but it was an amazing thing. I stood there as a kid, a teenager, looking across the wall at Checkpoint Charlie into East Berlin, and it was like looking at a black and white movie. It was like looking at something that literally came out of the 1950s, and it was in black and white. And all I did was I turned around and looked behind me, and there was West Berlin. Lights, vibrance, technicolor, everything going differently than what I could see on the other side of the wall. And that wall, by the way, was not built to keep the West out. It was built to keep the East in. 
Socialism always fails. Always. Always. That wall came down. And Cuba is falling apart right below our Florida line. And then Venezuela is coming apart. And then the people in North Korea, we're reading even on the news today that it is the most unstable it perhaps has ever been with food shortages. So how is it with all that going on that we're in a national discussion, a national debate, a national argument, if you will, about incorporating more aspects of big government social policy into the greatest capitalist, free market, democratically elected form of government in the history of the world? Well, maybe there's a clue in Romans 1.22. It just simply says, claiming to be wise, they had indeed become fools. So AOC and Bernie Sanders and other avowed socialists are refusing to even comment on the uproar in Cuba. It doesn't fit their narrative. Well, here's something you need to look at. Know your enemy, all right? If you're going to be a right-side ruffian, know what the other side thinks, too. A guy named Saul Alinsky, some of y'all may have heard of him. Saul Alinsky wrote a book in 1971 called Rules for Radicals. And he had 13 rules on how you could import or impact with socialism. Just two of those 13 rules. One of them is if you push a negative hard enough, it will push through and become a positive, end quote. Another one is, quote, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it, end quote. You know what you just heard there? What you just heard there is things like the government instilling fear long enough to where you believe the government response is positive. And the other one is cancel culture. Two of those rules from Saul Alinsky are things you see every day right now because the radicals still follow the same rules and the radicals want socialism. And they're doing that right now and pressing harder than ever and bastions of freedom do exist, all right? They do. We're one, I believe, but it's more like those bastions of freedom are becoming like outposts on the frontier. Well, Alabama has to be an outpost of freedom. I heard a pastor say this morning, my wife pointed out to me that the church is becoming quote, too Republican. Well, I take issue with that. If the Democrat Party stood for lower taxes, if the Democrat Party stood for less government, if the Democrat Party stood for advancement of the free market and intent on maintaining energy independence, if the Democrat Party believed in peace through strength, if the Democrat Party did not bow to other national leaders, if the Democrat Party was willing to oppose China's creeping advance to the South China Sea and beyond and would stand by our allies, if the Democrat Party believed that socialized medicine was bad for patient care, if the Democrat Party did not believe or advocate for inflationary spending and was strong on crime and stood for the rights of the unborn as well as the born, if the Democrat Party believed that school choice is a necessity and was willing to say unequivocally without constraint that all lives matter, then I'd be a Democrat. Because those are principles, not party. They're principles. And it's principles like those that separate us from who we are as a nation from the socialist countries that we watch falling apart everywhere those socialist countries that believe in the value of big government as the only means of sustenance and succor. So you watch the news and then look behind the veil and seek out information. How's socialism working out? Where has it been historically? Socialism always fails, always. And Alabama must be an outpost of freedom. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, I was fired up right in that one. I hope you guys are leaning in on this. Y'all, socialism is not out there, it's here. They're attempting hard, but all said and done, one of the places where they're attempting it the most is in education. I'm going to start unpacking some of that here in a little bit. 
And then we're going to have dialogues about the education in Alabama that needs to improve. We've got to. We're ranked last in the nation. We can't stay there. Hey, folks, listen. Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. We're going to have a great day together. Thanks for joining me on week two. Phil Williams, I'm your host. We'll be right back after this. Seven seventy AM, ninety-two point five FM, WVNN News Talk of North Alabama. Phil Williams, I'm the host of Right Side Radio, where we are solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, listen, I hope you enjoyed the monologue earlier on. I call it the Right Side Way, where I kind of unpack some thoughts and and I and I spend some time. And these are all swirling in from my world experiences. I mean, I, I I've got an eclectic background, uh, thirty years uh, of uh, of of time in the military. Uh, tours overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan, 20 years practicing law, seven years in full-time ministry, uh, um, you know, spent time in the state senate. All said and done, um, what, what it just basically means is God's given me a unique opportunity to take some life experiences and translate them into opinions and then share them on the radio. So very cool. And I want to thank uh, the folks over at uh, WVNN and Cumulus Corporate and Dale Jackson is the uh, program director for giving me this opportunity. I do believe, and I say it often, and I will continue to believe, this is an honor to have this platform, and I do not take it for granted. Listen, in that last section, I just spent some time unpacking the fact that socialism is not on its way, it is here. And there are attempts right now to fabricate the United States into a model of socialism, even though socialism never, ever works. And, and I, just today, I mean, literally, right before I got on the show, I, I was just pulling up the Internet. I got a bunch of different tabs open to different things that are going on. And there, lo and behold, is exactly what I was going to do with today's show. There's Dr. Ben Carson. Literally right now on foxnews.com, Dr. Ben Carson saying that he is glad that the left is pushing critical race theory because it's waking people up. But he says that where they're doing it is in our education system. And he says that literally... This is Dr. Dr. Carson's quote. Lenin said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seeds that I plant will never be uprooted. And he says, he goes on to say, what they're trying to do actually is indoctrinate the kids. It's not a new thing. It's been going on for a while. And he goes on to describe things like what we see in Portland and Seattle. And, and man, y'all, it's true. There's an entire generation out there that has suddenly become accommodating of the idea of socialism. In fact, there was a, a recent poll that found that among those who are 18 to 29 years old, 49% of them have a positive view of socialism compared to only 46 having a positive view of capitalism. What? They live in a nation that gives them the right to choose that and they choose the one that would otherwise repress them. Come on. The results of that poll, I mean, literally clearly indicate that, you know, the 18 to 29 year olds as a group tend to favor socialism, but then, you know, then people get surprised. Like, how did this happen? How could this be? How could this be, Right Side Radio Man? Well, I'll tell you how. Look at who influences public education. First of all, the National Education Association. Oh, yeah, the National Education Association has long advocated that they are there for the purposes of social policy and not education policy. 
you, you disavow what I said? Well, the organization itself said, quote, the major function of the school is the social orientation of the individual and education must operate according to a well-formulated social policy, end quote, National Education Association, which, by the way, that National Education Association Teachers Union is affiliated with our Alabama Education Association Teachers Union. They are. They're joined at the hip. Don't think for a minute they're not. And then one of the association specialists, a guy named Paul Hobner, once said that, this is going to make, make you mad, quote, the schools cannot allow parents to influence the kind of values education their children receive in school. That's what's wrong with those who say there's a universal system of values. Our goals are incompatible with theirs. We must change their values. What? How about this? Chester Pierce, MD, professor of education and psychiatry at Harvard, said that he believed that every child entering school is essentially mentally ill because the child comes to school with certain, quote, allegiances to the founding fathers, toward our elected officials, toward their parents, toward a belief in supernatural beings, toward a sovereignty of the nation as a separate entity. And he said, it's up to us to create an international child of the future. Mm. Not on my watch. Look, y'all, we need some right side ruffians. People are going to say, no, no, not on my watch. In a minute, you're going to talk to or you hear me talk to a friend of mine, Representative Charlotte Meadows. She's been on the hunt for education reform for a long time. And I'll be glad to have her on the show. It's Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. We are solidly conservative and just plain right. Yeah, join me saying not on my watch. We'll be right back. <laughs> 